welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown Podcast, where information is king, drinking is mandatory, and the beer is always flowing. Now, let's check in with your hosts and see what's on draft in this session. Welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown, session number 19. In this session, I got the chance to sit down with Mike Waters from Trogues Brewing. Mike is a regional sales rep for Trogues, so he took the time to sit down and talk all about the history of Trogues, uh, the Trogues Brothers, the beers that they have year-round, the seasonal beers, and even their new canning line. Uh, Mike's a pretty good friend of mine. He's uh, pretty big in the Pittsburgh craft beer scene. In fact, if you live in the Pittsburgh area and you go to a beer festival with Trogues, very good chance you'll see Mike. So if you do, you know, tell him you heard about him here. It'll make him feel good. Uh, other than that, Trogues is expanding. They're in just about eight states right now, looking to expand more after their brewery was increased in capacity pretty substantially in 2011. So, without any more talking, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Cheers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, episode number 18, I believe. Um... This episode is all about uh, Trogues Brewing. I have uh, my good friend Mike uh, Waters on. Mike, say hi to the lovely people. Hello, everybody. So, having Mike on to talk about a couple big things. Uh, one of the biggest things, and something that I love more than just about anything else in beer, is canning. I love canned beer. And uh, Trogues recently stepped up and has started canning some beer. I uh, haven't seen any yet, but I've seen the pictures. I'm really excited. So I figured it was good of a time as any to have uh, somebody from Trogues on, just so happens I know Mike. So we're going to talk all about Trogues, a little bit of their history, and you know see what's coming up and what's going on with cans and you know some of my favorite beers coming up for this time of the season. Yeah, we uh, Brian, we just started canning here in the last two weeks. Uh, we did, uh, we're doing Perpetual, which will be is our uh, Imperial Pale Ale and IPA, as we like to call it, in 12-ounce uh, cans. And we're doing the Troganator Double Box, which is our most acclaimed beer in a 16-ounce pounder can, which I know is a favorite among canned beer people. Uh, both of those will be available by the beginning of December. We're, we're, uh, we just got the canning line online, and uh, we're just trying to, you know, make sure everything is top-notch before we get it back to the public and everything like that. We don't want to send any bad cans or anything like that. Uh, you know, we've been around since 1997, and you know, one of our most, one of our top-notch things is to make sure all the beer is good. So we don't want to send any bad, bad cans out before we we make sure it's okay. But you will you will definitely see it before the end of the the uh, the end of the year. Now that's exciting. Well, I want to talk a little more about that, but I kind of want to start a little bit more at the beginning and uh, get a little bit of what you know what Trogs is about. Uh, you kind of said when you guys were founded, but um. What kind of like what started the brewery? How did it come about? Uh, where did it start? All that kind of good stuff. So uh, Chris and John are their brothers. They're a few years apart, and uh, I don't know, you know, anybody who's grown up with a brother knows that it's it's an interesting relationship. And uh, the, the the first thing I think that they built together was a cannon, hmm. and they <laughs> they actually put a hole in their neighbor's house. Wow. We used to have that up in the old brewery. I'm not sure if it's in the new brewery, but uh, they they kind of separated. Uh, John's a little older than Chris, and uh, they kind of separated a little bit. But but around the same time, you know, the mid 90s, 
everybody who was of age at that point started drinking a lot of craft beer. They understood craft beer, and uh, they both kind of appreciated it from different points. John at that point was in Philadelphia, and uh, Chris was at this point in uh, Colorado, and uh, they they kind of just started talking to each other and figuring out something. And uh, John eventually moved out to Colorado. He worked at the Oasis Brew Pub, and uh, after that, though they they wanted to. They, I think the original plan was to open a brewery out in Colorado, but at that point, Colorado was kind of the mecca of uh, craft beer. And they decided with, with the family help that they had in Mechanicsburg, which is outside, which is to the, the east of Harrisburg, that they, they had kind of an opportunity to do something in Pennsylvania that, you know, wasn't available in Colorado at that point. So they moved back to Harrisburg. And uh, I think at one point they had their grandmother on a exercise step stool, helping them bottle, which she voluntarily did. I, I will make sure to say that. Huh. Um, and th- that's where we started from. And, and uh, to be honest with you, it's it, it's a great opportunity. It's it's been a great opportunity to work for such a family-oriented company. Yeah, I was going to say it must be something special when someone you know outside the that tight knit of a family kind of comes in. Uh, it, it is. It really is. And um, well, I I moved to the central Pennsylvania area, and uh, what was that? That was it would be like summer of 2007. My wife got accepted at my fiance at that time got accepted to the Penn State Medical School for her her PhD in molecular medicine and uh, I worked in advertising for a little bit and uh, I decided that that really wasn't my gig and when I came on to Trogues I was accepted like I was a family member and uh, I still am treated like I'm a family member it's a great opportunity I mean it's a great company to work for I, I really can't I mean a lot of people say that they they're really happy with their job I can't I can't really put it into words how I really like my job, so it's it's like working in your family. So, and you know what I, I find from talking to a lot of beer people that that seems to be to one degree or another how most people feel working in beer. It's mm-hmm. you know honestly the reason I've kind of gotten into it and you know try my best to do as much as I can because it really is you know even if it's not a family based business, it's uh, it's almost like everyone kind of treats each other like some sort of you know some sort of a you know weird dysfunctional family. Uh, it's not a dysfunctional family as much as it is a family that likes to have fun. I'd like, I think I would say. All right, fair enough. Yeah, we we do have our fun, and you know, we we there is definitely a business involved, and uh, we enjoy, you know, selling a lot of beer. But we all it, it, in the end, we're all about just making sure that everybody enjoys the beer that we make. Oh, exactly. So, um, kind of moving from that then to you know the great segue you made there the beers that you make okay what um what are kind of like the basic beers that you can get from trogues year-round well we we make a few beers year-round we make our uh our turbidator double box which we've been perfecting and making the best beer that we can possibly make every year Uh, we have our hot back amber ale we have our pale ale which is our just trogues pale ale our dreamweaver wheat and uh, you know, we just in- introduced our uh, perpetual pale or perpetual imperial pale ale recently. Uh, that's been within the last two years that we've introduced that. And uh, we're just really we're just really focused on making sure that we get all of our beer out to our customers that are, you know, in our in our area. We don't want anybody to have to go without the beers that we make year round. So I mean, if we want to make sure that. In our, in our distribution area, which is eight states right now, plus the District of Columbia, 
that you can go to your 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 local place where you buy your beer and make sure that that beer is there. Yeah, and I mean to you know thinking about it, I don't think I've ever been somewhere that sells trogues that hasn't had those you know pretty consistently. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that that that's what we strive to do. I mean, I know a lot of other breweries. You know, we we they focus on you know growing, but we want to make sure that in our in our distribution area area that you can get. The beers that we sell on a regular basis. So on a Friday night, you got a pizza going home to the wife. You want to pick up a six pack of a uh, hopback or Dreamweaver at your local place where you're used to picking it up. It's going to be there. That's that's what we're focused on right now. So, out of all the beers that Trogues makes, seasonal, regular, uh, what do you think is the most popular, the biggest seller? Oh, uh, you're 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 asking me to pick between all my my favorite children, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, right now, I mean, with with the, you know, with the expansion of uh, you know hot craft beer in in the United States, we're talking you know hoppy beers are definitely right there. And uh, as of uh, June 2012, we launched the uh, the Perpetual IPA, and and by by far that's been our highest growing beer right now. But you know, we uh, we we're one of the few breweries that can grow with with a, a, a double block and we've been growing since one of, since the beginning of our brewery with that beer. And, uh, we really, you know, here, especially I, I'm, I, I'm located in Pittsburgh. We, we sell a lot of the double block beer here in Pittsburgh and we make a lot of headway with that beer and the hopback Amber, obviously the Dreamweaver wheat is amazing. But, uh, you know, in the last year we've been doing a lot with the, the professional IPA. Okay. Um, I, I kind of know the answer to this one, but I figured I'd ask it anyway. Out of all the seasonal ones you do, uh, well, what seasonal beers do you do? Not not <laughs> counting some of the scratches, which I want to talk about in a minute, but the, the standard, uh, you know, the the standard seasonals. The standard seasonals we do right now. Uh, well, uh, we do the Mad Elf, which is in season right now. That's our Christmas ale. It's a Belgian dark ale uh, brewed with cherries, honey, uh, chocolate malt, and a Belgian yeast. Uh, it's a crazy beer. Um, I love to sell it. I love to enjoy it. It's just a crazy beer. Um, and then we get into the spring. We have our Nugget Nectar, which is a, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the first, but it may be one of the first Imperial Amber Ales. Uh, it's brewed with Nugget Hops. Very hoppy, but it's got a nice balance to it with some crystal malt and uh, great beer. Uh, then we get into the summer, and uh, I, I really don't know if there's a better summer ale. I, I know I'm biased, obviously, but then <laughs> Sunshine Pills, uh, it's great Pilsner at, Pilsner beer, nice lager style, great beer. You can it's it's an any occasion beer, as I like to call it. We get into the fall. The fall we had Dead Reckoning Porter. Uh, we're we're looking at things in the fall right now. Uh, I love that Re Dead Reckoning Porter. It's 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 a great beer. It's one of my favorite seasonals. It's a nice hoppy porter. Uh, you know, we're exploring options in the fall right now. Uh, Dead Reckoning may, may be back, but, uh, you know, it's all up in, up in the air right now. And then we get back to the Maddow. But, uh, you know, we what I like to say is we have a nice combination of uh, seasonal beers. And uh, we're, we just like having fun with the seasonal beers. So that's, that's basically where I'm at with that one. So Yeah, and I, I honestly, my favorite Trogues beard has to be Nugget Actor. Oh, uh, well, I, I mean, I... I think you could you could join a very long line with that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Dead Reckoning's pretty good, but I 
I, I have to stand by that as my favorite. Um, so then I would I would venture to say then that Mad Elf is probably your best selling seasonal. Um, you know, it depends on the region. To be honest with you, uh, we we we. I mean, the the selling season for Mad Elf and the selling season for Nugget Nectar aren't really as long as the Sunshine Pills. And to be honest with you, the three of them are pretty much equal. Okay. And yeah, it, because Sunshine is is the whole summer, and we do and and Mad Elf, to be honest with you, is really only October till December. I mean, it's very it's very limited. And same thing with Nugget Nectar. Uh, the three the three of those seasonals are very equal in our whole category. So it's just that they're the sunshine is spread out over a, a longer period. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. Um, so I mentioned it a minute ago, but uh, the one of, I think the coolest things you guys do are the scratch beers. Um, can I give a rundown of what the the scratch beers are? I I, I would love to actually. <laughs> I, I um. The funny thing was, uh, I wasn't part of the brewery when the scratch beer started. I was actually just a fan of the brewery, and I asked the same questions that you just asked. And uh, they were expanding for their tenth anniversary, and they were we were in a relatively small spot. I will say we because now I'm with the company. Um, we were in a relatively small spot at a basically railroad terminal in Harrisburg, and they started taking down the walls around the tenth anniversary of the brewery. And they found a scratch pad. I'm sure everybody's had a scratch pad back in college or high school or whatever. And they found recipes that they wanted to brew back then. And the first, I think, 15 to 20 scratch batches were from this scratch pad. And then they realized that this is actually a really good like research and development series. And uh, we've had multiple beers come from this now. I mean, Bed Reckoning Porter was scratch number three. Uh, Flying Mouflon Barley one to scratch number four. Uh, Perpetual IPA came from multiple, multiple batches of IPAs that we brewed, and we just kind of took what we liked from each one of them. And uh, what is it? Java Head Stout actually came from the Scratch series, too. Oh, wow. So it, it really is just like a research and development. I mean, I think you know any company who succeeds with any kind of recipe needs to have a, a research and development, and that's what we're doing with those. Yeah, and that's, it, that seems like a good way to do it to me. Uh, it seems like a lot of breweries, uh, especially a lot of smaller breweries, tend to make their full-scale production releases kind of their R&D, and sometimes they turn out great, and sometimes they turn out horrible, and then you have to deal with them for a year. It, it, you know, that I, I have seen that, and uh, luckily we have the ability to do something on a smaller scale. Uh, when we were back at the old brewery, it was about 20 barrels, uh, depending on the size of the batch we're doing now, it could be anywhere from 15 to 100 barrels with the scratch beers. Oh, that's but, good. Yeah, we're just, it's, it's interesting to try, and uh, we like to get it out to the customers, because ultimately, if we, if we release it to the brewery, that's great, we can get the people at the brewery, but we release it to the public when we send it out to the reps like myself, we can actually, you know, try it with our customer base, essentially, so... Yeah, I seem to remember you trying a uh, a certain scratch beer with your customer base, namely me, that didn't end too well. Uh, what was that? The triple mango, Brian? That would be it. The triple. The, the funny thing about the triple mango IPA, which we did, what was that? I think that was June or July that we released that. Um, 
that was actually a homebrew contest winner, winner that actually won again a contest. Well, let me start. Let me start from scratch here. We uh, we had a homebrew contest, and the con- the winner of the homebrew contest got to brew their batch as a scratch batch. The homebrew contest winner brewed a triple mango IPA that I actually didn't get to try, so I, 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 I'll, I'll remove myself from that. And then we had, recently, in May of this year, we had a rebrew a scratch contest. And the winner of that was the Triple Mango IPA. And that Triple Mango IPA was about 11.5% alcohol, brewed with a lot of mango puree and a lot of hops. And it was an amazing, amazing beer that didn't taste anywhere near what the alcohol was. So that's why our, our host here today is is uh, speaking of said beer. So Yeah, you pair an 11.5% beer with all-day drinking and, like, 90-degree heat. Don't, don't forget we also had the impending descent, our Imperial Stout, also on draft that day. Yeah, that was also the day that I got to try the... Uh... Uh, elevator brewing habanero that you surprised me with. That was that oh, was no, interesting. That, that was the that was the ghost pepper beer, not habanero. Ghost oh. pepper. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I am an evil person. So yeah. just to let everybody know. So back to kind of what we started with at the beginning there with the uh, canning line. So what what interested Trogs in doing a canning line? Like what was the? Because I mean, you guys have bottled for a while. So yeah, we, what was we, the? We bottled since the beginning. Uh, I think. I mean, it's just a, it's a growing trend. I mean, cans are great to take to the beach, on the golf course. I mean, it's a very summer-specific kind of package, but uh, in Pennsylvania, we drink a lot of cans all year long, and I think it's just a very, it's a very cool thing to do. It's, it's very now, and uh, we got a new bottling line, uh, a new 12- and 22-ounce bottling line. We got a new... Uh, 375, 375 ounces, and 750, 750 ounces, or mil- if you're in beer, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the specifics. Uh, and uh, the company that we did that through said, hey, we have a canning line. Would you like to do that too? And it was kind of added into the package. And uh, at first we were kind of hesitant. And then, you know, it, 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 it is what everybody in beer is doing kind of right now. And you know, we have the beer to do it, so why not do it? And we're, so we're doing it, and uh, we're very, very excited about it. I'm looking forward to when I can get a Mad Elf in a can. That's that's all I'm saying. Uh, you, you might want to hold your pants on for a while. I, that's not in the plans right now. Uh, we have our Perpetual IPA, or the Imperial Pale Ale, and the Troganator Double Box coming in cans. Well, if... If it goes the way canning goes the way I think it is, I really see almost every beer being in cans. It's just, you know, me personally, I think it's a better way to do it year-round. It's easier to recycle. It's gets cold quicker. It's easier to store, easier to ship. Um, I'm just a big fan of them. I, there, I don't there's think... some valid points you have there. And uh, it's just it, the glass is so iconic in the craft beer industry and in regular the bear, regular beer industry. It'll be a while. I mean, I, I'm not. I, 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 it's way above my pay grade to say what we're going to be doing in cans anytime soon. So, well, if anyone asks, I'll just say that uh, Mike told me everything's in cans next year. You <laughs> can do that, and then I'll show them the pictures of uh, what happened at Mad Max. <laughs> so, 
so you said so you're gonna start canning those start with those two beers yep um canning they're still gonna be in bottles too though right exactly we're gonna okay. we're gonna be doing the same thing we're trying to price them per ounce the exact same so i mean just because you're buying a different package type so the Air package type is going to be a little bigger but per ounce they're going to be try to we're going to try to keep them right about the same per ounce okay so you know you said that you guys got uh you know the different bottling line and everything at the same time was there anything kind of hard getting a, a canning line up and running like any stumbling blocks along the way or is it well, just basically it's, the same? it's the same thing as trying to get anything up in line you know you got to make sure everything's clean you got to you have to make sure everything's working you know we've got we have we we make sure we made sure we can the beers and there we we were holding all, some of them back to make sure that you know everything's fine with those beers that we're canning it, it's not like you just can't you just throw out a bunch of cans and say hey you know, go it goes what it goes. Uh, you know, we, we hold some back, make sure that they're to our quality that we expect from Trogue's beers. And uh, but you know, with the quality of the line that we have, we're not expecting too many issues, if any issues. To be honest with you, we just we're just trying to be careful. Uh, we should have cans here in Western Pennsylvania by the beginning of December. Now, with upgrading all of your lines and adding the canning, did you upgrade any other parts of the brewery, like any uh? Any brew kettles, any holding tanks, anything? Well, we not not this year, but you know when we moved to the new brewery in 2011, we upgraded basically everything. Okay. You know we went we went from a 20 barrel brew house, which we sold to Fathead, uh, which is an awesome brewing company up there in you know in Cleveland, and uh, we upgraded from a you know 20 barrel brew house to a 100 barrel brew house with a with a, a 20 barrel you know almost. Uh, side system that we're using to like do small batches uh we're in the process of upgrading our you know our, our fermentation capacity through through the roof of, of, you know basically uh we we went through we went through different uh filtering everything basically we moved from like a twenty thousand square foot brewery to almost a hundred thousand square foot brewery so just imagine the growth that we were able to go through it, it's we went through the roof to be honest with you and uh we're we're really enjoying everything we're doing right now that's awesome that's good to hear yeah we 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 really enjoy everything and and to be honest with you we haven't grown our state since then we're just really enjoying the growth from pennsylvania and all of our it's our heartland i'd like to call it so so you kind of mentioned you know the uh you know the quality and being able to step up in what what you're making um i wanted to get a little more specific into what you know how trogues brews and by all means i know some of these things can be you know proprietary not share kind of information so exactly you're yeah, not gonna hurt my that. feelings if you uh give a general answer to any of these uh um you know as much information as you're willing to share i think everyone would love sure um you know i know you you brew kind of a a wide assortment of beers, you know, everything from perpetual to mad elf to, you know, porters. Um, so the, there's probably not a good answer to any of these, but is there a certain, um, grain that you guys really like to brew with like a, a certain base malt or something that kind of, you know, really signifies a, a Trogues beer to, to really not get into it too much. We use a nice, base pale malt 
that's what we generally use. Um, so it's basically really it's basically the same though across most of the beers. Then, I mean, uh, but... it, to be honest with you, yeah, it is. It really is. Okay. We use a nice pale malt to go across, and then obviously you add your 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 other malts. You know, your special B, your crystal malt, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff to 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 just go across the board. But we do we do. We do all. We use a very, you know, a specific pale malt. That 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 that's what we use as our base for almost everything. So, okay. Um. So, uh, yeast-wise, do you guys have a certain, uh, like, a specific yeast you try to use for most of your beers, or does that really vary per beer? Well, uh, I mean, it varies. It, obviously, every beer has a different yeast. If you want to. To get down to it, we have a we have a house ale yeast, we have a house lager yeast, and then with all the different scratch beers we make, we have varying different yeasts. Okay. Uh, especially with like tomato, the barley wines, and stuff like that, we have very different yeasts that we use for that kind of stuff. It's 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 like again above my pay grade, I guess I would say. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I I did work in the cellar for a little bit and. Uh, and uh, I'd ask questions, and I was told that, you know, I was told the names, but that was like three years ago, and, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. But we do, I mean, there is obviously, but you know, the top fermenting, bottom fermenting yeast, there is different, you know, yeah. obviously differences with that kind of stuff. So uh, we do have, we have a house ale yeast, we have a house lager yeast, and we have all kinds of fun stuff for the scratch beers and the other seasonals that we have. Now, do you try to go a couple generations on a lot of those yeasts, or do you tra- do you do a lot of uh, fresher kind of pitches? We, from what I understand, and again, this I it's been a few years since I actually worked in the cellar and worked at the brewery. We do do a few years. We have a full biochemical lab at the brewery that makes sure that our yeast is top of the line and everything like that. Okay, uh, and. Uh, we make sure that I, I again I, I can't speak on generations or anything like that, but I can tell you this much: the yeast that we are using in our beer is the freshest possible yeast that you can possibly get for for our brewery at least, and it's it can't it can't be more than two or three generations if that. So, and I would imagine for some of the higher alcohols, especially for like a a mad elf, you'd want a couple generations, or else it just wouldn't it wouldn't stand up. Well, from what I understand with Mad Elf, it's a very, the Mad Elf yeast is a very hungry yeast, I would say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It likes to just eat, consume, and reproduce, eat, consume, and reproduce. Uh, I think that there might be, you know, a lot of stuff going on there we don't really understand as regular beer consumers, but I know that Mad Elf will, you know, that's a very yeast-hungry beer. Well, then moving on to the next, you know, major ingredient, um, you know, um, hops. So I know Nugget Nectar obviously uses Nugget. Uh, Are there one or two hops you guys really try to aim for in your beers, or is it just kind of totally across the board everywhere? You know, the the thing with breweries is we 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 have to. At the beginning of the year, or actually not even—it's actually midsummer. We have to like try to contract hops from the growers, and uh, you know we we try to get what we think we need. Uh, nugget nectar obviously has a fair amount of nugget in it; it has some Simcoe in it, 
It has some, you know, cascade in it and stuff like that. Um, and we've been con we've been able to contract that out through the last few years. Uh, with Perpetual, you know, we were able to get some Citra with that, which is that new, you know, that new hip-hop, which I don't mean hip-hop as in, uh, <laughs> music, but like the hip, quotation marks, hop. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting, though, really, I mean, with a uh, hop can show up in the spring that grew in the southern hemisphere, and then it could show up all of a sudden in the northern hemisphere. It, it, it's, you know, working in the beer industry and uh, coming from being a beer geek, which I was, to working in the beer industry, it's so interesting seeing these different things that are popping up, especially with hops. I mean, so we had the Citra, now we have the Galaxy, and all these other things. Uh, it, it's, I leave it to the brewers, to be honest with you, with the hops. I mean, I know a fair amount of it. I, I worked in the hop freezer, the hop cooler. You know, we have our saws, we have our northern brewer, we have our, you know, everything. All the normal hops you can find at your, you know, homebrew shop. And then all of a sudden, a pallet of these new exotic hops show up, and it's like, what are we going to do with these? You know, I mean, while I was working there, we did a glacial glacier pills. I think it was scratch number seventeen, and it was it was an amazing beer. And it was it, the glacier. I don't know what the gla the glacier hops came in, and uh, to be honest, with you, I haven't seen glacier hops since then. I've, I've seen them in certain other blends of hops, but it's just really interesting with hops. I I mean, I know an, a lot about hops, but not nearly enough to comment about them. Um, so last part, you, you did mention that with your yeast, you have um, kind of, you know, the lab that does everything, which oh, yeah. I think is really overlooked in a lot of breweries. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, you can kind of tell the quality of beer as it goes up and down by how much they focus on their lab, I think. Yep. Um, how much do you know, and you might not know the answer to this one, but um, do you know if water chemistry is something that's really played with, or oh, is there a it, good source it, there it, that kind really, of gives everything its taste? It's huge. Actually, you know, we moved from, uh, Her when we moved from Harrisburg up to Hershey, we actually have a water treatment plant built into the brewery. That was one of the major things that we had had to accomplish before we were able to move. Uh, the water is completely different from, uh, from uh, downtown Harrisburg to Hershey. Uh, at, I lived in the area for a very long time, and I know as the further you get from Hershey, the further you get from Harrisburg, the water gets harder. Uh, we have a full water treatment plant in the brewery itself that is able to accomplish the different styles of water. Obviously, if you want to brew, brew a Pilsner, you want a little softer water. You want to brew a, you know, a, a, a pale ale, you want a little harder water. That's just the way it is, and uh, that's that's what we've accomplished with this new water treatment facility. And when you're moving from one place to another, you want to make sure that your beer is consistent, like you were talking about. And uh, we've accomplished, I think, I think we've accomplished that. I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody who's drank our beer, but I think we've accomplished that. No, that totally makes sense to me. And that's, I, I think water chemistry is something to really pay attention to and I guess there's, you know, different schools of thought on that as to how much you should mess with the water, but I I think doing it... To be honest with you, it's all based on the style. I mean, like, if you're trying to brew a Czech Pils, you should try to get as close to the Pils and water as you can. If you're trying to, do, to brew an English Pale Ale, you should try to get as close to the Burton water that you can. I mean, if you're trying to brew a Harrisburg 
you know, IPA, I mean, use Harrisburg water. It's all based on the style. Yeah, I mean, totally makes sense to me. Um, in fact, that's the, the next big step I need to do in my home brewing is start to focus on water a little bit more. I just, you know, one of the big things I did was move up to uh, spring water. Uh, but I think I need to kind of take another step and start paying attention to that a little better. In home brews, I really think it's, it's, it's very acceptable. I mean, you can, when I was home, I mean, I haven't home brewed in a few years now. I, uh, since I worked for a brewery, it's kind of, you know, kind of fun to just try to do what you want. And I want to get back to it. And I always just hop the crap out of the beer, to be honest with you and mm. your listeners. And, and I thought that's the way to get away for, way for it. But, and you know, as the beer gets older, that kind of fades away and you really do get that water quality issue. Yeah. So, um, who is the, the current head brewer at Trogues? Our current head brewer is Andrew Dixon. He's been there for as long as I've been there. He's oh, that's a good. Great, great guy, a local guy, and, uh, and an amazing brewer. So, the last big thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I think we kind of already mentioned this, but, uh, you know, in 2011, you guys expanded to your bigger brew house. Yep. Um, are there any current plans to expand further, or is that uh, kind of, you know, into the canning line for right now? Uh, we, we, do have expand, we do have plans to expand further, obviously. I mean, we're, we are expanding at a rate where we need to reach out to different states and areas and uh but you know we're just really focused on making sure that our local areas have enough troves to sell and that I, I really think that's been the focus since the beginning we have always just decided that you know making sure that our local shelves are full with our beer before we reach out and jump out to other markets and you know, there's a few smaller states, maybe in New England and stuff like that, that we could we could fill the shelves without really having to expand too much. But uh, right now, we are really just making sure that we can just fill the shelves in in our you know our Pennsylvania, our New York, our Virginia, New Jersey markets. You know, that's what we're really looking forward to. Awesome, and you know, being someone in that market i'm very glad for that <laughs> yeah i hope you are um I, I lied to you there was uh something i read earlier today i wanted to uh talk to you real quick about uh back to the mad El or uh, mad elf um i saw that there's a sampling of white elf here uh, around pittsburgh or a uh a tapping of a white elf cake um, uh, a white white elf is something i don't know i know about naked elf or naked elf i'm sorry not white elf naked elf uh what what is naked elf Naked Elf is actually a, a batch of beer that we brew, you know, in the summer right before. Well, you know, everybody knows about if everybody knows about Mad Elf, we have to start brewing that early to make sure that we have enough for the whole season. And uh, Naked Elf is a batch that we brew to try to get the system kind of involved, try to get it, you know, tuned in kind of for the Mad Elf season. Uh, we brew so much Mad Elf, so we brew this beer. It's called a naked. It's called the Naked Elf. And it's, it's Mad Elf brewed without the cherries, honey, and the chocolate malt that's involved. Okay. Uh, the cherries are kind of hard to get around sometimes, and uh, the honey we usually surface a little later. And uh, it, it's just like, it's like what I call a beginner's Mad Elf. 
it's more of like a Belgian double than a uh, than the Matto. It's a it's a fantastic beer. It's one of my favorites that we brew year round as a kind of a semi seasonal, usually kind of a brewer's release only brewery release only. Uh, we're doing that this Friday, um, and uh, it's 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 limited. It ages well, just like Mad Elf ages well. Uh, it's it's really interesting to try the two side by side. So hmm, I might have to try that then. Um, You're more than welcome. I, I think I I owe you a beer or two. So yeah. well, you uh actually brought up one more thing, not to bug you anymore, and not to kind of harp on Mad Elf, but you actually mentioned something I. Uh, almost forgot what I wanted to ask you about is um, it's some advice you gave me a little while ago about Mad Elf and uh, aging it. I found a six pack of it that was at a local bottle shop for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was curious about it, and I asked you, and you said, "Yeah, it ages great. Buy it." And you know, I drank a couple of them, and I really think that a year did kind of help that. It it gave it a lot more character. It um, really does. I, I, I have the rest of them sitting waiting for longer, and I bought a six pack this year, and I have four of them sitting and waiting for whenever. Uh, what do you think your perfect time frame? You know, in in perfect conditions, do you th- should that age for? I think you should only drink it within six weeks of bottling. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, it's a great beer. It's an awesome beer. Uh, I love it fresh. I love it aged. Uh, to be honest with you, I've had everything from a year age to six year age, and I really think it finds its sweet spot right between a year and a half and three years. Right there, that's it starts getting some really nice notes. You start getting the sweetness out of the cherry. It almost it's almost like a, a nice tawny port. Okay. Um, but the, the thing is, you're going to lose some carbonation on it. Uh, you're going to lose what Mad Elf really is. I mean, we want Mad Elf to be your holiday ale. It's a nice effervescent, you know, refreshing holiday ale. Uh, you know, we, while, you know, I'm not going to discourage you from aging the beer, it, it really, it really is, I think, the best fresh. But if you do want to age it, I think that year and a half to three years is really right where that's its sweet spot. And uh, it, it, it does it does definitely get that tawny port, nice, uh, refreshing, dark fruit, toffee kind of flavor going on with it. So, well, I'm excited for these to get to uh, two years old. I'm just a sucker anymore for aging beers. I have a, in fact, I have a, a another Trogues bottle downstairs in the cellar that you gave me a uh, about a year and a half old now. Uh, Flying Mouflon. Oh, the Flying Mouflon. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing beer. That's our barley wine. Like I said earlier in the the show, that's our that was scratch number three. It yeah, was I just, a, a. I can't bar- bring myself to open it. <laughs> uh, you know, I would hold on to it. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's amazing fresh. I love that beer. It's uh, it's it's very close to my heart. That was that was bottled very close to when I first started working for the company, and uh, you know it's. When it's fresh, it tastes like a double IPA. It's it's probably one of the best you know double IPAs I've ever had. But as it ages, it just ages very gracefully, and you you start getting those tawny port, you know, those, those dark fruit flavors, toffee, caramel, and everything like that. And it's just a beer that 
just ages very gracefully, and uh, I, I really, really love that beer. And uh, you know, it's it's something that we really, as a brewer, we really appreciate. We actually we won a gold medal for, I'm not sure of the year at GABF for that beer. So oh, really, yep. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we actually we just we just came back from GABF uh, two months. Well, it was that last month actually? Uh, we got a gold medal for Troganator for the in the box category. And we got a bronze medal for Sunshine Pills. I saw both those. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Actually, I, I got to wear those medals around that day. It was pretty yeah. a pretty special occasion. So That's pretty awesome. Yep. Well, honestly, Mike, that's about everything I had. Um, I definitely learned a lot about Trogues, and hopefully there's a lot of Trogues fans that listen to this, and they can learn a little bit too. Hope so too. So, Thanks for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. And um, oh, thank you, Brian. We really appreciate your uh, your fandom. So, yeah. Well, all what uh, ten of us? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking forward to that beer soon. I'll, I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you, brother. All right. Cheers. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Craft Beer Showdown podcast. Make sure to check out craftbeeracademy.com for more information and to give feedback on today's show. Don't forget to watch the next episode live. Plus Hangouts or YouTube by going to craftbeeracademy.com slash live dash show.